just have the lights up a little, thanks. You are the God that sees and I want to see you, so <laughs> it'll be amazing. See each and every one of us. Lord, you see us when we're laughing, when we're playing games. You see us when we're crying. You see us, Lord, in lonely times. You see us in good times. You see every moment of our lives, Lord. And this morning, we just tonight, we just lay our hearts before you, God. We just say, look again. Just look again, Lord, and find us in Jesus' name. Amen. I love that in that, in that video, you know, Hagar. Who knows the story of Hagar? Hagar. Who doesn't know the story of Hagar? Good, I'll tell you. She was a servant to Abraham and Sarah, and they had been promised a child but were impatient and perhaps unbelieving it was going to happen. So Sarah told Abraham that he should take Hagar. So they're old. Abraham and Sarah are old. And God has promised them a child, but it's not happening. So they get impatient. And then Sarah says to Abraham, you should have a child with Hagar, your servant. And, and they sort of missed God in it. But Hagar is the victim in it all. She falls pregnant, and Sarah becomes angry with her, treated her terribly, so Hagar runs away to the desert, pregnant. She falls down on a rock and she cries, and right at that minute, right at that moment, ever been in a moment like that where you're just like in this desert place where it's like there's been unjust things done to you? Ever had unjust things done to you? Nobody, just me. Uh, anybody had unjust done, things done to you this week? And what do you do? You just run away into a desert place. You almost don't run to God. You run away from God because you want to be justified. You want, you, it hurts too much. You're just in this desert space and you're lost. And this is where Hagar is. She's pregnant. She's in the desert. The sun's beating down on her. And it's just like no one knows me. I'm just a servant. I've, I'm pregnant to an old man. His wife hates me. I've got no purpose in my life and I'm just lost. And in the middle of that, God speaks to her. Do you know that God, he will find you in every season of your life, in every place in your life. He'll find you in the desert places. He'll go out to the desert to find you because you're his. And he watches over you. Hagar in, in, the, in the sense of this story, was a nobody. She was a servant girl. She was a nobody. But to God, she was his daughter. And so he chased her out into the desert. And right in the middle of that desert, God speaks straight to her. Now, you think that God would have been with Abraham and Sarah because the promised child was yet to come. And the birth was about to come of the promised child. But now he runs after the victim and it says, it says in the word of God that he will always leave the 99, go after the one. See, in this story, we just think, oh, Hagar, you know, she was just nobody. But actually, she was somebody. She was God's child. And he ran. Can we put that music on for me, please, Louise, behind my... Thank you. He, he ran to meet her there. And he says, he said, speaks to her. And then she says this statement. She said, you are the God who sees me. I don't even know if she even understood who God was because she was just a servant to those who served God. You are the God who sees me. Back in those times, women weren't allowed in the temple. They weren't allowed to worship with the men. 
But she says, you are the God who sees me. Tonight, I want you to just put your hands on your chest like this. Close your eyes. I want you to say that to yourself. You are the God who sees me. Just say it again. You are the God who sees me. Say it again. You are the God who sees me. Amen. And then she said, and now I have seen the God who sees me. Now I've seen the God who sees me. Something happened when God speaks to her and when God says to her, I see you. Her eyes are open then to realize that she has identity, to realize that she is not just a slave girl that's been used by these people and cast aside, but she realizes in this moment I have now seen the God who sees me. My eyes are open now to see a God who actually sees me. And so often we can go through Christianity, we can go to church, especially as women in our busy lives. We can just get on with life and, you know, cook the dinner and do this and do that and whatever we're doing, go to work and study and whatever we're doing in our lives. It's like we forget that God sees us even in the midst of our business, of our deserts, of our normal everyday lives. Your normal everyday life, God is interested in. And as you position yourself to hear the voice of God, once you hear that voice, it's like something opens up inside of you. It's like something opens up inside of you and suddenly, You're not a nobody anymore. Suddenly, I'm seen, and I've seen the God who sees me. How many times do you come to church and you feel like you just go through the motions and you don't actually see the God that sees you? You you worship, you sing the songs, but you never really walk out thinking, oh, yeah, I've connected with him today. And this is what he wants from his people. This is what he's longing for in this day, especially the days that we live in, that he's drawing, especially his women, because his women, there's something about us that really get the heart of God. There's something about us that, that really, when God speaks to us, we're so open. You, he doesn't have to sift through all our you know, thinking and our, you know, like men, they have to have everything in order. But us, it's like we have this spirituality inside of us where God, who formed us in the garden, has this connection with us, this intimate connection with a woman because he knows that she's the one that's going to bring worship before him that is in spirit and truth. We have an ability to be real with God like men don't have. And as we worship him, will bring the men into that space. You know, it's hard for them to be intimate, isn't it? It's hard for a man. How many, how many of you have got husbands in the room? Do they ever look into your eyes like you long, like in the movies? Do they, do they ever look strange? Like, oh, Gail. You are so beautiful, Gail. Oh, my gosh. No, it's just like, you know. Or someone does. Jeff, you're in the good books. 
You're in the good books, Jeff. You're a rarity. Because we're really longing for that, aren't we? I mean, how many love stories do we watch? How many books do we read? Because we're longing for someone to look into our eyes. Because we were created for this. We were created with a longing inside of us to be seen. Amen? I've seen the God who sees me. Something changes when she knows that God has seen her. Something changes in you when you have a revelation that God sees me. So much, we can just, we can just go through the motions that it's like, it's like a crowd mentality. It's like, you know, God loves his church and God loves my family. And, but we never really bring it down, do we, Nicole, to that space. We rarely bring it down to that space where God loves me. And we almost feel, as women, we almost feel a bit selfish if we take time out for ourselves. You know, because there's so much drawing on us, isn't there? It's, it's just like, is there a minute to myself? Like, Jessie's just had her third baby and three, un, three, in, three under three. Three under three. And it's like, she goes, Mom. And I had three under three as well. Then I had a seven-year gap, I had another one. And I used to remember how hairy my eyebrows were because I had really bushy eyebrows, really like yours. And it was like, you have to pluck them every day. They just like, and occasionally you would get a chance to glance in the mirror as you go past and go, oh my God, it's a werewolf. It's like, <laughs> or someone would say, we're going to the beach. Go, I haven't waxed for weeks. It's like, are you kidding? I've forgotten that I'm even a woman, you know, isn't it? It's because we just get so busy looking after everybody else and everything else that we forget that this God who loves us is waiting to look into our eyes and romance us. He wants to romance you. Amen? He's not far off. He's not distant. He is the God who sees me. And now I have seen the God who sees me. Imagine if we could just get up every morning. You know, like Julie at 5.30 in the morning. She gets up at 5.30 in the morning. She sent me a message this morning at 5.30 in the morning. What the heck? And she probably thought I'd read it later, but I keep the phone next to my bed. I'm still a mum who keeps the phone next to my bed in case the kids need me. Still can't, can't shake that one. None of them live at home anymore, but there's that phone next to my bed in case the kids need me. 5.30 this morning, she sends me a message. This woman gets up at the crack of dawn and then she goes and exercises and she goes to the gym and she does her thing and then she prays and then she comes home and then she looks after four children, a husband, five children, really, five children. Um, you know, how do you do that? How, how, do you, how do you make time for you? How, how, how do you do that in the midst of our lives? But God is longing for us because he knows that in the days that we live particularly, it's getting tougher and tougher, guys. It is getting harder. The atmospheres are changing. There's things going on. And you know what? We need to learn to find that safe place. 
You know, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High, Psalm 91, shall rest under the shadow of his wings. Rest under the shadow. Do you know what that feels like? To just sort of stop and just be with God and then just almost feel like wings are coming over you, like hiding you. I mean, you can't even go to the toilet by yourself, most of you. But when you're with God, you're hidden. You're hidden. Even if it's just for a few minutes, you're hidden. You can actually just be yourself. You're not someone's mum, someone's friend, someone's employee, someone's wife, whatever. You can just be you. And we've got to find space to do that, just to be us, just to be ourselves, just to be these women that he is trying to find. You know, I love that they mentioned in that video Mary, Mary, and they call her Mary Magdalene. I really relate to this woman. I just so relate to her. And here she is, you know, they say she, some, some scholars say she was a prostitute, some refute that she was a prostitute, but we say in the Bible she's a sinful woman. I mean, we're all sinful women. And before we come to Jesus, until we're redeemed, amen? And so she hears about Jesus. She hears that he's in town. And she wants desperately to see him. And you can imagine how desperate she is because all the crowds are always around him. And it must be very difficult for a woman of her reputation to be near a crowd because they would all point fingers at her, call her unclean. And, 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 and she'd be an outcast. So she couldn't be seen. She couldn't be seen by other people because she would be rejected by other people because everyone knew she was the sinful woman in town. And in fact, some women would say, my husband's been with you. You know, there was just this reputation that she had. And so she couldn't come out and see Jesus in broad daylight with everybody else. So she's got to come up with a plan how to see him. She heard he's going to have dinner at the Pharisee's house. Who knows what a Pharisee is? You got kids to get? Okay, darling. Bless you. Love you. Who knows what a Pharisee is? Yes, Pauline? A religious nutter. That's a good, that's a good. So the Pharisees were actually the ones that crucified Jesus because they were so religious that they didn't even know that he had come amongst them. So he's having dinner at a Pharisee's house. The Pharisee hasn't honoured him. He hasn't washed his feet when he came in. It was customary in that day. When you come into someone's house, you would wash their feet because they had sandals and they, was, they walked around in cow dung and, and horse dung and camel dung. And so you would wash their feet when they came to your house. And then you would anoint them with oil. That's what you would do when someone came to your house. It was so customary. But this Pharisee hadn't done this to Jesus. He had dishonoured him from the get-go. So he's sitting at this, at the, you know, they would sit on the floor on cushions. So he had his feet backwards like that, back, back that way. And this woman says, I'm going to risk everything. I'm going to risk the religious leaders knowing who I am. I just need to be near him. If I could just get near him, maybe he would see me. Maybe he would see who I really am. Maybe he knows my story of why I'm like this now and he saw what happened to me when I was a little girl and why I ended up in this space. Maybe Jesus knows my story. These people don't know my story. They just judge me for what I am now. But this man seems to see people. He seems to look in people. He seems to find people. Maybe if I just get with him, maybe he could see me and maybe he could find me and maybe he could get me out of this lifestyle. 
And so she comes and runs into this Pharisee's house and she falls at Jesus' feet. Now he's sitting like this. So she's at behind him. She's behind him. And she begins to wash his feet with her tears. Can you imagine that? She's just crying so much. And she's so wanting someone to see her that she's willing to put her face in manure. Because manure's been thrown at her often enough that she's got accustomed to it. And she puts her face in his feet and begins to cry. And she cries so much that it's actually washing his feet. That's a lot of tears. And then she gets her long hair and she starts to dry his feet with her hair. And Jesus, she's behind Jesus. He can't actually see her. But the Pharisee sitting opposite, he can see her. And he points to Jesus and he says this, if you were a prophet, you would know or you'd be able to see what kind of woman it is that's touching you. And Jesus ignored the prophet, the, the Pharisee. And he turned around to her and he lifted her chin and he looked straight into her eyes and he said, I know exactly what kind of woman this is that's washing my feet. I came into your house and you never washed my feet. You never anointed me with oil, but she's washing my feet with her tears and drying them with her hair. I know exactly who she is. And then he looks into her eyes and I think at that moment in time, she saw the God who sees her. And she knew that he knew her story. And yet there was compassion and there was love in these eyes. She felt as if she was finally seen and therefore had hope of redemption. See, she washed his feet with her hair, with her, with her tears and dried them with her hair. He washed her soul with his eyes. And she looks at him and she says in her mind, I have seen the God who sees me. And she was changed like that. It says in the word of God in Luke that he cast seven demons from her. Amen. Do you know what kind of woman it is? Oh, I know exactly who she is. I just need to remove a bit of the rubbish to find the treasure. Because I know there's a treasure inside this woman. I just got to shift some rubbish and find her. And actually, I see who she is because it's written in my book. She's going to be one of my greatest disciples. She's going to love me more than other people love me because she's been forgiven much. She's going to love so much. And so she followed him. She loved him. She worshipped him. She followed him everywhere that he went. Amen. She was there when they dragged him off when all the other disciples ran away, except John. She was with John. She was with his mother, Mary. She stayed. She would have lost her life for the love of him. 
she wasn't ashamed to tell anybody that he is the God who sees me, don't you understand? I will follow him anywhere. He's the God who sees me. And as they're crucifying him, there she is at the foot of the cross. She will not leave his side. I'm not going to leave his side. I'm just, I just, I, he's the God who sees me. Even from that cross, he's looking down at me. He sees me and he knows me and I'll serve him and I'll love him. She was there when they took him down off the cross. She came to the tomb to, to, to anoint his body for burial. And he was gone. Where is he? Where's the one that I love? Where's the one that I love? Someone's taken him. She says, someone's taken him. And she's distraught. And she's in the garden. She's distraught. The one that I love, the one that sees me, the God who sees me, he's gone. He's not here anymore. Ever had a time where you, where you feel like God's just left? Like he can't see you anymore? Like last week, I felt like God could see me. This week, I feel like I'm nothing. I feel like there's a ceiling above my head. Where is he? Who's taking him from me? And in the midst of that, in the midst of her distress, Jesus is on the way to his ascension. He's already ascending. And he's a high priest. Jesus, the high priest. And he knows that after he has given his life for the sins of mankind and been the sacrifice for all mankind, if anyone touches him that is still humanly sinful, that he will have to do it all again because he would become unclean. And he's on his way up to heaven. He's risen from the dead. He's going up to be with his father. He's conquered the grave. He's died for mankind. Angels are rejoicing. The Father's waiting for him. He can hear the angels and the trumpet sounds. He's coming. The King is coming. The King is coming. The King is coming. But above all that noise, he heard one woman. Where is he? Who's taken him? Above all that noise, above all of that responsibility, he hears one woman's voice. And he interrupts his ascension. He says, Father, I'll be there in a minute. Angels, just hang, hold it. Choirs, trumpets, stop. I've got one more mission before I ascend. I've got to go to Mary. I'm sorry, Father. He lands back on the earth and he says, Mary. She doesn't recognize him at first because he's glorified. He's the glorified Christ now. He doesn't look like the one that was bleeding to death on a cross. He's risen. Mary. And she looks around. And she says, Master, it's you. And he says, Mary, don't touch me. Because I haven't yet ascended to my Father. The very first person to see him is a woman, a sinful woman who's been redeemed because he's the God who sees her and he would stop the whole world 
to go be with her. There are times when Jesus will stop everything else to come find you. There's times when you're crying in your room, you think no one hears you. You're carrying the burdens of other people. You're trying to help. Your kids are mucking up. You know, your workplace is crazy. Like today, Rach, you know, it was a crazy week and, and you just feel like you're just alone and he doesn't see you, but he interrupts what he is doing and he comes to find you. But see, the secret was this. She's in the garden. Where is he? She's looking for him. In the Song of Solomons, we see the same thing with the Shulamite. She gets up in the middle of the night. She opens the door. She runs out. She's asking everyone in the street, have you seen the one my soul loves? Have you seen him? He knocked on my door, but I went back to sleep. But now I want to find the one my soul loves, and I'm running through the streets trying to find him. Now, even when you go back to sleep, when he's come to speak to you, he's still waiting for you out in the street. Do you know what I mean? You just got to go looking for him because you'll always, always, always find him. Thank you, Lord. You know, we often see ourselves through a lens of maybe past experiences. I know I did that for many years. You know, I couldn't even look in the mirror at myself because I would see who I was in my past and the things that happened to me in my life, they, they had marred me, they had scarred me. I had scars. They were internal scars, but I could see them when I looked into my own face. And sometimes we look through that lens at him and think he would never, he shouldn't come near me. I, I'm not good enough. I'm, I've got scars. But he says this, he says, I've got scars too. Do you know that there's this, the ascended glorified Christ still carries his scars. It's the only thing that wasn't healed and restored in him was, he said, Thomas, it's me. Look at the holes. Look at the holes in my head. I've still got the scars, Thomas. Why does he still carry the scars? Because he wants to remember what it's like for you and for your scars. He wants to partner with you in your suffering so that you can partner with him in his glory. Amen? Maybe past mistakes we made, we see through the lens of that. Maybe things that have been said to us, maybe the way we were raised, maybe experiences at school. I mean, they, they plague us, don't they? What about the things that were never said or not said enough? You know what I mean? Like the parent that never really said, I love you, they just sort of thought you knew or the ones that left and never got to say it. Perhaps traumatic experiences have affected the way we see ourselves. And that's why we need someone else to look at us other than us. That's why we need the eyes that see past, past our experiences, past our trauma, past the rubbish in our lives. The eyes that look at us and find us You know, when we look at God through this distorted lens, it's difficult to think that God would even want to look at us. And we say, 
oh God, I really want to press into a relationship with you. You know, when I'm at church, I say, come on, press into worship. I really want to. But I've tried this and I don't think he even sees me. How many times have you been there? And so what do we do? We look for others to see us. We hassle our husbands or our boyfriends or partners or whoever it is. We go, don't you see me? You never tell me you love me. Don't you see me? And we hassle, 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 hassle. You know, or, we, or a parent, we hassle a parent. Or we have this expectation that people are going to see our friends. And don't you know me? Don't you know me yet? I've been around you for years. Don't, don't you see what's inside here? Don't you, you know, you misjudge me and when people misjudge you and you go, golly gosh, don't you know me? I've known you for years. And you still don't see me. You still don't know me. Our children, some of us want our children to see us. Yeah, I do. I want my kids to see me. See me, can't you see me? Our bosses, our pastor, if the pastor could just see me, then I'd feel what? And that's why so many people leave churches. The pastor didn't see me. <laughs> then they go to the next church. Pastor didn't see me either. Circles we go around. Visiting ministry. We had Ada last Sunday. How many people didn't get a prophecy? Yeah, they never see me. They never give me prophecies. It's true, isn't it? I wanted one too. I didn't get one. I had this picture of a little girl spinning around in a dress. You know, did you girls ever have party dresses when you were little? Ah, oh. oh yeah. I used to dress my girls up in party dresses and the white frilly socks and the little shoes. You know, and uh, all my girls were so well dressed, and they would run out to their dad when their party dress, and they would swing it around. Daddy, look at me. Look at me. Aren't I beautiful? Huh? Because right from a young age, we just want to be seen. Why is that? What is it in us as women that we need to be seen? You know? Get over yourselves, you say to yourself. Get over it. You know, why are you so needy? It's because of this. God created Everything in the garden, and the trees, and the birds, and the animals, and the plants. And then he created man, right? Hang on. And he said it was good. Is that right? He said it was good. Didn't say it was great. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because, then he looked at me and said, it's not good for a man to be alone. And so he said this, I'm going to fashion this woman out of the rib of man. And he said these words, and she will be the crown of all creation. I'm going to create this woman that when she walks into the garden, the man is going to turn around and go, whoa, man. And that's how she got her name. Because she was created to be seen. I mean, if he created a flower, right? And you look at that flower, look at spring right now, and I go out into my garden, I just admire the beauty of the flowers. I just look, 
Is the, is the flower sinning because it's dared to show its colour and its vibrance and its fragrance to the world? Is that a sin for that flower? Should we squash them down and throw dirt on them? Because how dare they display their glory? But we do it to ourselves. And how much more have we been created to be seen in the right way? I'm not talking about put hot pants on and go, you know what I'm saying. We've been created to be seen as the crown of all creation. That's who you are. But I'm telling you this, no man will ever see you. No parent will ever see you. No child will ever see you. No pastor will ever really see you. Even a prophet will never really see you. Because there's only one who has eyes that sees down inside you. There's only one who knows every single detail of your life from the beginning to the end. Amen? He is the God who sees us. Psalm 139 says, He saw you before you were formed in your mother's womb. He saw you in heaven. He thought about you, the way he was going to make you, what colour eyes he was going to give you. How, oh, he thought, oh, I'm going to give Kay this really cute walk. I just got to do it. I just got to give Kay a cute walk. And he's just like, whoa, wait till she walks. They're all going to go, look at Kay's walk. Do you know what I mean? Like we've just got all this stuff that he's given us. Amen. You know, he's drawing us into intimacy. And I'm going to close in a minute. He's drawing. I want you to hear me tonight. Because I'm not prophesying over you, laying hands on you, all that stuff tonight. I'm trying to get you to see a God who sees you. And I'm trying to encourage you to make time to let He's already looking at you. You walk past him every day. Every day. Making sandwiches. I'm doing this. I'm going to work. And he's waiting. I'm looking. I see you. It's almost like he's playing hide and seek with you. And if we just stop, and we just say, God, you're the God that sees me just as I am. I just yelled at the kids. Screamed at my husband, I'm a wreck. I haven't plucked my eyebrows for a month. But you're the God who sees me. Amen. You know what true intimacy, if we break that word down, in to me you see. So when we say, come, be intimate with Jesus, it's kind of weird. But what we're actually saying is, come. And let him see into you. Let him, look at, let him find you. Let him discover your identity. Let him speak to you words of love. Let him whisper in your ear those sweet nothings. Let him look in your eyes and make you feel like you're the most loved woman in the whole world. Because you are. He will satisfy you. Into me you see. You know, I've loved and served Jesus now for 42 years in October. 42 years in October. It's my, my birthday this Sunday, my natural birthday. 
But in October is my spiritual birthday, 42 years. 42 years since Jesus came himself because I was a lonely girl in the desert that no one would come and tell me about Jesus. I was lost, alone, without faith, without anyone to speak to, without anyone to talk to. And Jesus came himself into my room. That beautiful Jesus that visited Mary in that garden, that same risen Christ, the resurrected Jesus, came into my room to find another Mary and to tell that Mary, you're mine. And when those eyes looked at me, those beautiful blue eyes, I knew that I had seen the God who sees me and I would never be the same. And to this day, I still see those eyes and one day you will see them in the flesh. But until that time, you have to see them in the spirit. Amen. So let's just close our eyes right now here. As you just turn that music up a bit for me, Louise. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Just some more things. Thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Jesus, come. you just ask him just in your quietness of your heart, Jesus, do you see me? And look into those eyes. Those beautiful eyes. And let him reveal you. sit and you wait and you you allow him to see you and reveal his heart to you he'll reveal more of you he'll uncover you he will show you your identity look what he did with all those women when he spoke to Hagar she became somebody when he spoke to Ruth she became the woman that carried the lineage of Jesus Christ when he spoke to Mary Magdalene, she became his greatest disciple. When he spoke to Mary, said she'd be the mother of Jesus. When the angel spoke to her, she became a woman that was recognized for centuries to come. There's something Jesus has that is uniquely you. And he needs to shape you and form you and put you on the path that he has for you for his divine, his divine written word, his divine plan for your life. And it is more than being a mother, being a wife, being a working person and going to church and feeling like you're dead. His plan for you.
are the crown of all creation. You are a princess of a king. And I'm calling you so that into me you may see. So Lord, we ask you in Jesus' name, just put your hands on your hearts just for this last moment here. And say, Lord, awaken me to the truth that you love me, that you see me, and that you want to continue seeing me. Help me make time. Help us connect. Help me lay aside my doubts, my unbeliefs. Help me lay aside these things that stop me seeing myself. And let me see the God who sees me. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Why don't we just stand to our feet? Just lift your hands for one moment. We glorify you, Jesus. We glorify you, Jesus. We worship you. I just release a special anointing over each and every one of you. I'm just going to come and touch you on the head. Don't fall down because there's chairs behind you. But I just want to release an anointing of intimacy. An anointing of intimacy. An anointing of intimacy.